for a couple of years, when Lisa and I went to seminary in Dallas, we attended an African-American church. It was a great church. Uh, the preaching of the word was fantastic. The worship was amazing. We had a wonderful experience being there with uh, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the great blessings was it turned out to be an opportunity to have a window into uh, African-American Christian experience. And for a couple of years, being in this majority black church, Lisa and I had the chance just to sort of simply watch and observe and participate uh, as uh, these brothers and sisters in Christ went through their lives and journeyed their journeys of faith to be part of that church while they did that. It was interesting because we had a different window into uh, racism as we listened to uh, the pastor and those in the church talk about their experiences. It was a blessing to be able to see uh, in a different light some of the systemic problems that are going on in urban communities. Uh, we got an, a window into, insight into the problems that incarceration violence, drugs, gangs, uh, and how those things can wreak havoc on a community, and how those things can be something that at least uh, our black church in Dallas really seemed to bear the brunt of. There was a sense in which both Lisa and I worked with uh, some inner city kids. It was amazing, eye-opening, that when they would come to faith, there was absolutely no support system whatsoever except the church uh, to help these kids in their journey of faith. I remember one time I asked one of the pastors at our church, why, why are the services two and a half hours long? Uh, they were long services. They were great. Are they, in my mind, they sort of flew by. But it was definitely two and a half hour services. And I remember asking one of the pastors, this was different than what I had grown up with and what I was used to, why so long? And his comment that he made all those years ago have stuck with me ever since. He said, well, you don't really understand, uh, but when you're black, we spend all week long being told by society that we're somehow less than because of the color of our skin. And we've spent all week being beat up uh, and told that somehow we're not equal. And on Sunday morning, it takes at least two and a half hours for God to remind us that we are children of the King. And I thought, huh, that is eye-opening. That's not my experience, but it was great to be part of a church to come to understand that better. And Lisa and I consider it a blessing to have been part of that African-American church for those years that the Lord had us at seminary to be able to do that. However, having said that, I am aware that attending an African-American church for a couple of years is categorically different than actually being born African-American. I recently, just a couple of weeks ago, had a meeting with a, a couple of African-Americans who are part of this church, and we were just simply talking about their experience as Christians and their experience as being part of Calvary Church. And one of them made the comment, there's nowhere that I go that I escape my skin color. 
And I realized that me simply attending a black church, it's very, very different being born black. Now, why are we talking about this on Christmas morning? Well, when we think about Christmas and we think about Jesus becoming a human, sometimes we think about it in terms like Lisa and I going to attend a black church for a period of our lives. We think about Jesus existing in eternity past with God the Father and God the Spirit. We think about Jesus existing now and into the future with God the Father and God the Spirit. And sometimes we think about Christmas as this short season in Jesus' life where he came to visit humanity for 30 or 40 years in the way that Lisa and I went uh, to visit and be part of this black church for a couple of years during our time in seminary. Now, we get that idea in part from the Bible, from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we have stories of God coming to visit humans, like in Genesis 18 and 19. When God disguises himself as a human, he comes to visit Abraham. He engages in some human experiences. He has his feet washed. Uh, he eats a meal with Abraham. He engages in some conversation and discussion. And then he goes back to heaven. That's great. But at Christmas, we sometimes think that's the way it happened. That Jesus sort of climbed into Mary's womb, was born, spent 30 or 40 really enlightening, invigorating sort of years observing and visiting humanity. And then through his death, burial, and resurrection, he sort of took off his humanity like some old clothes and laid them aside and then got back to what he was and what he was doing before. But that's not what happened at Christmas. And so this morning, I want to take some time to truly understand why Christmas is different than what happened in Genesis 18 and 19, why Christmas is categorically different than the idea of God simply visiting us for a season. So please, take a Bible and turn to the book of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. If you need a Bible, there should be one in the chair in front of you. In those Bibles, they look like this. Luke will be page 830. Luke chapter 1, if you have one of these Bibles, it'll be page 830. Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 26 to 33. But we're only going to focus on one verse in our short time this morning, verse 31. Let me read the whole context, and then we're going to come back and spend a little bit of time on verse 31. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, 
you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now in this announcement of Jesus' birth, Christmas, what we're celebrating this morning, Look at what is said in verse 31. When the angel comes to announce God's plan, he says to Mary, you will conceive. Now, the way in which Mary conceives is miraculous because there is no human male involved. However, this word for conceive is the normal Greek word for conception. In other words, how Mary got pregnant was miraculous, but the baby, the conception of the baby, happened the way babies are conceived. This is a normal conception in that sense. Notice further, the angel says, not only will you conceive, you will give birth. This is the standard Greek word for giving birth. That what Mary does, now who she gives birth to is unique. How she gives birth is not. Mary gives birth to a child the way every woman has given birth to a child. The way all of us were born. This is the natural meaning or sense for giving birth. Number three. You'll not only conceive and give birth, you are to call him or name him Jesus. Now it is unique that God the Father is giving the name, but to call him Jesus, this is the normal thing you do when a baby is born, a mother and a father give that child a name. That's what Mary and Joseph do. They name the baby Jesus, and that becomes his name. You know, it's fascinating to me. Nowhere in all of the Old Testament is God's son ever called Jesus. He's not called that because he has to be named that by his mom and his earthly father. This is them giving Jesus his name. It's the same thing we did when we named our kids. We gave them their name. And the point is, verse 31 is showing us that this Jesus that we're celebrating at Christmas... He's conceived, born, and named just like you and I were conceived, born, and named. In other words, the point is not that Jesus came to visit humanity for a while. 
The point is Jesus became human. Jesus was conceived, born, and named as a human. He is human. This is not like Lisa and I going to visit this African-American church for a season and then leaving. What Jesus is doing is categorically different. It's not even like God coming to visit humanity in the Old Testament. At Christmas, something categorically different has happened. Jesus has become human. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That not that Jesus sort of came to visit us for a season, but that Jesus is human. He is one of us, as human as you are, as human as I am, as human as any human ever is. Jesus is conceived, born, and named. He's human. Look how it goes on. Verse 32, he will be great. Now listen, please. Jesus is God. That's important. But this morning at Christmas, we're coming to understand that he is human. He will be great. That means as a human, he's going to grow up and be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Not recognize that he already is the Son of the Most High. It's that as a human, he will be identified as the Son of the Most High. He, the Lord God, will give him the throne of his earthly father, David. Everything about this passage is meant to focus us on the fact that Jesus is human. Conceived as a human, born as a human, named as a human, lives as a human. Not just visitors, visits us for a season. He is human. Now what difference does that make? Four things. Four things that the fact that Jesus is human means to you and I today. Number one, it means that Jesus is in solidarity with us as humans. I told you that just a couple of weeks ago, I spent some time with a couple of African Americans who are part of our church, and we were just simply talking about their experience as African Americans in the culture in which we live, and also in this church community. And although the two of them had some different experiences, it was really interesting as we're in this meeting, there was clear solidarity between the two of them in their various experiences. That both of them sort of understood and empathized and sympathized with one another in unique and deep ways because both of them were African Americans in an American culture as part of Calvary Church. Jesus is human. When we sit down to pray and talk to Jesus, we are talking to one who is in solidarity with us. 
He knows what it's like to be human, not because he hung out with humans for 30 or 40 years and studied us like cultural anthropology. It's because he's human. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to get frustrated. He experienced the death of a loved one. He experienced death himself. He's been sick. He's gone through these experiences. He's been betrayed. He knows what it's like to taste food, not simply by visiting us, but because he's human. And we have solidarity with him and he with us because we're human and he's human. Number two, because Jesus is human, he's able to save humans. Because Jesus is human, he is able to save humans. It's not enough for God to simply visit humanity. God has visited humanity many times in the past. Angels have come and visited humanity many times. If that were enough, God would not have had to have his son become a human. But God simply visiting us cannot rescue us. But now, because Jesus is human, it is possible for humans to be raised from the dead because Jesus, who is human, is raised from the dead. It's possible for humans to be right with God because Jesus, who is human, is right with God. It's possible for humans to have eternal life because Jesus, who is human, has eternal life. It's possible for humans to be one with God because Jesus, who is human, is one with God. Now, you may be saying, well, yes, he's human, but he's also divine. I understand that, but please don't miss the point of the incarnation. There is now a human who has been raised from the dead. There is now a human who is right with God. There is now a human who is one with God. There is now a human who has eternal life. And because there is a human who has all of those things, you and I who are human can have those too. If Jesus was not fully and truly and completely human, we could not be saved. But because Jesus is human, humans can be raised from the dead. You can be raised from the dead. Humans can have eternal life. You can have eternal life. Humans can be one with God. You can be one with God. That's possible because Jesus did not just visit us, but he became human. <clears throat> Number three, because Jesus is human, 
God will never be done with humanity. What I mean by that is this. This week I went to talk to Aline Fitzgerald who works on our staff. She works here with uh, special needs adults uh, and children. And I asked Aline, I, I knew some of her story, but I asked her, just tell me a little of your story, Aline. How did you get to the point of having a heart uh, for those who have special needs? And she talked about how from a very young age, God had put people in her life who had special needs. Uh, there had been a, a child in her neighborhood. There'd been some kids in her youth group. And all along the way, God had used those uh, children and teenagers uh, and young adults with special needs to create compassion within her heart for people who have special needs. But then 33 years ago, God gave Eline a daughter who has special needs. And as much as she had had compassion for those with special needs before, having a daughter with special needs, that was a game changer. That was categorically different. And so I asked Eline, would you ever be able to go into a room and ignore a special needs person, not, not even your daughter, just any special needs person in the room? She looked at me like I was crazy. Never. Eline, could you ever sort of be done helping people with special needs, whether you get paid for it or on staff for it? Or anything, could you ever just kind of retire from that and go on and do other things? And never, never. They are a part of who I am. Eline, could you ever forget about people with special needs? Never, never, ever. My daughter has special needs. It's a game changer. Listen, God the Father's Son is human. <laughs> this is not the beginning of God's compassion for humans. God has always been compassionate towards humans. But this is a game changer. This is categorically different. God, the Father's Son, is human. God will never be done with us. God can never ignore us. God can never walk into a room and ignore the fact of humans for all of eternity. God is always going to be for us, always going to be fighting for us, always going to be caring for us because his Son is one of us. It's a game changer. And therefore, God will never be done with humanity. There's not going to come some point in the distant eternal future when everything is in heaven and everybody's happy and the Lord's like, look, I'm kind of tired of this. I'm going to move on. I'm done with these humans. Never, ever, ever. Why? Because his son is human. It's categorically different. Number four, and finally, because Jesus is human, it gives us the opportunity to truly praise and understand the sacrifice that he made for us. Notice that I continue to say Jesus is human. 
Notice I am not saying that Jesus was human for 30 or 40 years. Please understand, Jesus was conceived, born, and named. He is human. He cannot be unborn. He cannot be unhuman anymore. In other words, Jesus Christ is a human for all of eternity. He will never not be human again. Do you understand? This was not Jesus in heaven enjoying the beautiful glory and deciding to step into Mary's womb and taking on the form of a little baby, going through birth, growing up, dying, and then setting his humanity aside to get back to being just God for all of eternity. That is not the sacrifice that was made. That would be a sacrifice. Do you know the sacrifice that was made? Jesus Christ, God's only Son, became human forever and ever and ever and ever. He will never not be human again. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing to think that he who in his very nature is God this is what Philippians says. Did not consider his equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Jesus did not consider his equality with God, the fact that he is very God of very God, light from light, that he is 100% God. He did not consider his deity something to be used selfishly. But instead... He took on himself the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Now, this is theological language in Philippians. What it's trying to say, in his natural essence, in his nature, he became human. He was conceived, born, and named. He is human. And being found in appearance as a man... He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now watch this. This passage is talking about Jesus' sacrifice. Notice it doesn't start with the cross. The cross is clearly a part of his sacrifice. But notice that it's almost, it's not, it almost feels like it's tacked on at the end. What is his great sacrifice? Is that even though being in very nature equal with God, he did not use that to his own advantage, but was conceived, born, named, a human, and is now human forever and ever and ever and ever. So the passage goes on. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... 
his human name, the name that his mom and his dad gave him, that God the Father took this human Jesus and has exalted him to the highest place that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that this human Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father forever and ever and ever. We are never going to be done honoring Jesus for his infinite sacrifice. Listen, my brothers and sisters. It's one thing to think about God sort of coming to visit humanity for 30 or 40 years, watching what we do, interacting with us, experiencing some human sorts of things. If that is what, if that would have been what had happened at Christmas, God should be glorified for that. How much more that what Jesus actually did was be born human so that he would remain human for all of eternity. It is fitting for us to gather on Christmas morning and to celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus has made. Our salvation is because he is human. Our eternity is secure because he's one of us. God will never be done with us because his son chose to be born human. Forever and ever and ever, we will glorify him for that. That's why the angel comes to say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people for all eternity today. In the town of David, a Savior who's existed for eternity past, today, he is being born a human forever and ever and ever. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord.